Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The, the Nonprofit, Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Monday, November 30th that we are releasing this. We are actually recording this far in advance so we can have a full week off from podcasting. So uh, given that this is being released Monday, November 30th, we are officially, officially, officially in year and giving season. woo So stay tuned because we are going to have an episode dedicated to that. Uh, for those of you participating, good luck in your Giving Tuesday endeavors tomorrow. Colorado-based nonprofits, hopefully you are ready for Colorado Gives Day a week and a day from now. Yeah, you got one more week. <laughs> Get it out there. <laughs> Send those emails. Get your automation set up. Make sure you got your board members ready to make those calls. It's going to be great. We are still officially in the garage. <laughs> we had a brief pause when we had a guest arrive, also known as my husband coming home from work, who really just wanted to like, sit and chat with Brittany. I don't think he has many friends right now. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. If you don't know what we're talking about, you have to listen to our not-so-mini-sode that we released on Thanksgiving Day, where it talks about our new recording studio. <laughs> oh, so this is going to be a regular thing? Yeah, this is our new outdoor covid cautious uh recording studio i mean really the best part about it beyond having to hunch over and speak into a box <laughs> is the the decoration i mean the decor in here just screams nonprofit podcast we have about 32 bikes hanging from the ceiling for some reason <laughs> most of them with at least 10 years of dust on them we have a, a, an assortment of tools it's it's really just an environment. We'll post some pictures on our socials so that you can feel like you're here with us. But I do think my favorite part is that I can only see Nia's eyeballs. And I can only see Brittany's lusciously long eyelashes above her box. <laughs> Thank you for noticing and bringing it up. Um, I was just going to say, I was going to ask you how you were doing. And then when you asked how I was doing, I was going to say... <laughs> I was going to say that I did two things today to make myself feel better. Mm -hmm. One, I shaved my legs. Whew. That might be TMI, but that's what we're nope. doing here. We're being open and honest, and this is a conversation that I would have with you. <laughs> it had been a really long time. And so I said, you know what? I don't have to. I'm wearing mm -hmm. pants every day, but I'm going to. Mm -hmm. I'm going to. If feels really nice when that's like the normal thing you do to be clear I yeah. know there are plenty of folks who don't and continue to not yeah because you're going to save a lot of time time energy and angst not ever shaving your legs but when it is a common thing it feels really nice it does it kind of feels like I stepped up my game and then <laughs> it's like the days that like your bra and underwear match and you just like <laughs> secretly know you are on top of it today <laughs> And the other thing I did is I invested in some magnetic eyelashes. 
I love it. And I, if you were lucky enough um, to be Nia today, you would have gotten a play-by-play of the whole application process. I, I was genu- genuinely enthralled. Yeah. But they're on, and they've stayed on. And they and look great. Thank you. I'm uh, so glad that I got to enjoy them in person today. I am too. I am too. They aren't wasted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some things that you have done lately to um, put a little pep in your step? Well, I mean, really the most exciting one today, I scheduled my first ever mammogram. <gasps> Congratulations and welcome. I, I'm so excited. Um, to all of the folks out there with breasts, please get yours. Get them scheduled. Yes. Early detection is important. Yes. So yeah, that that was my big scary self-care thing for the day. <laughs> I had my first on Valentine's Day this year. Oh. I know. I thought that was very apropos. Just, just loving your boobies. Exactly. <laughs> Well, good. Well, speaking of all these things that um, we're doing for our own self-care, it uh, falls right in line with what we're going to talk about today. Yes, it does. Uh, It is a beautiful segue. It's almost as if we actually planned it. We did not Um, because we don't do that much planning for our episodes. (laughs) Um, No, but today we are talking about burnout. It's real. This topic came about um, because, well, first off, both of us are just, like, really fucking exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were both also realizing how much uh, others in our lives are also feeling that way, exhibiting the signs of burnout. Uh, I mean, I I think we're just, like, I would love to say we're at the peak, but I also feel like it could get worse from here. So the the pandemic, the chaos, the COVID, the holidays – the everything. The is, end of year giving. End of year fundraising. Oh, my yeah. God. Budgeting for next year. Yeah. It is all coming to a head. And I don't – I'm, I'm going to speak for myself here and say I'm there. I'm done. I know. I'm feeling the strain. And, you know, we were a part of a training earlier this week where it was brought up that and, – and what we're going to talk about today goes beyond just – fundraisers and development directors because burnout happens at every level and in every position. Um, But what really opened my eyes was we were doing this training on particularly the turnover rate for development directors and the people taking the training were very surprised. And they were all board members. Yeah. Yeah. it, It was like, it was news to them that we would have such high turnover in the fundraising field. And they said, why? And then I think Nia and I both like kind of cringed and <laughs> how honest do we want to be right now? <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, we're on a tight schedule. Um, I'm going to ignore the soapbox that is sitting next to me <laughs> and not get up on it. <laughs> but it just made me realize how those who are not in the sector um, maybe just don't know yeah. how stressful it can be working in a nonprofit just as it is, and then let alone one in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I, and I know we've we've kind of talked about this in different ways, shapes, and form, forms. We've had a whole conversation or episode on turnover, but like this burnout piece is so acute right now that, I, and we're seeing it everywhere. Like I'm talking to my mom who's 
a therapist, right? She's not even in nonprofits. And she's talking about it and how so many of her patients are talking about it. So it is palpable in the world right now. And the way that it's playing out in nonprofits is, quite frankly, scary. Like, I'm just seeing really awful behavior, really toxic environments being created, um, really high levels of turnover for organizations who haven't had that in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I'm also feeling like it's something we really got to be talking about right now or we are going to lose a ton of really great staff. Well, when we're not even in a pandemic, I mean, we talk about this regularly, we tend to already be in a scarcity mindset. Yep. So then you add in this whole huge layer of unknown, um, both with the pandemic, uh, the change of administrations, um, everything. Nobody really knows what 2021 is going to look like because nobody could have fucking predicted what 2020 looks like. Oh, right. Exactly. So now it's opened up this whole world of possibilities that we never considered before. And it makes it so much easier to plan. Um, and then that just lends itself to kind of panic, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I also think that so many of the things we do, again, just generally, this isn't nonprofit specific, but the things we do to fight burnout, like take regular vacations, be with friends and family, like so many of those are massively limited right now. And so then that can also make the burnout, I mean, it just closes in on you. Yeah. And then if you are someone who is working from home, um, that's another thing is that, you know, potentially if you were in an office environment, you could maybe compartmentalize your work from your home life and now it's all blended together. Yeah. And that just compounds it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was, (laughs) okay, I'm going to tell the whole story because it's funny and, uh, Also, because I'm sure some of you out there will commiserate, um, and I want you to know you're not alone. So uh, this week has been just hellacious, way too much work. Everybody trying to get things done before the Thanksgiving holiday, which I totally get, but when you're a consultant, every client saying they need everything done by the state is a bit much, and so it's been a busy week. Um, And so Friday morning, I wake up at 5.30, and I could not make myself get out of bed. So I just sat on my phone in bed for two freaking hours. Mm-hmm. And finally I was like, okay, I need something to get me out of bed. I have to actually do some things today. I've already given up on working out. <laughs> Clearly that's not happening. <laughs> nope. Nope. Cross that off the list. And then I, I was like, you know what would actually get me out of bed and maybe help me find a little joy today? I'm going to drive 30 minutes to the nearest good donut shop. I'm going to pick some up for myself and my friend in Boulder. I'm going to go drop them off to her. And hopefully I can chat with her for a few minutes. And then I'm going to head home. So I blew up my morning to go (laughs) drive and get donuts. But as soon as like that thought finished processing in my mind, I was out of bed and in the shower. It was totally the thing that did it for me today. But that is just... Especially for me, that that's that's definitely an indicator of the level of exhaustion and burnout I am at. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I was talking to a leader of a nonprofit the other day about this, and she was telling me how much she was struggling um, because she's not a really emotional pe- – she's not a very emotional person. Let me put it that way. Um, at least not outwardly. 
not vocally, not visually. Um, and yet she sees a lot of her staff needing that right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And that she expressed to me, which I thought was great awareness, that she didn't really know how to be there for them in the way that they needed it. Mm-hmm. And that that was hard on her. And yet at the same time, she's kind of a, let's just get going and push on through. And this is really a time where we need to be productive and all of this hand-holding that I know I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't really know how to do it that well, is holding us up from progress. And then that's stressing me out even further. Mm-hmm. Have you heard stuff like that from your clients? Yeah. I, I mean, such great insight from that woman you were talking to. Like for her to even recognize that that's what her team was asking for mm-hmm. and yet not something she was either capable of giving or comfortable with giving. Um, I think it's when that insight is lacking mm-hmm. that we're seeing some of the biggest issues. Um, I had a a former client call me up and just describe a really toxic work environment, mostly because some of the leadership was feeling like, no, just get your work done. Like, I don't care that your kids are now home and they weren't a week ago. I don't care that you're exhausted and you can't hit your numbers because people aren't engaging with the organization like they used to. Like, just go do it. And so it's adding this like crazy amount of pressure that, I mean, not only is it unsustainable, but it's creating this environment where they're not going to want to work very long like that. Well, here's the deal. I fully admit that I do not run a company, okay? And so that's got to be really hard when the weight of that is on your shoulders. But I just cannot fathom believing that people should be producing at the same level or higher than they were before the pandemic. Oh my God, right? That's just fucking ridiculous. There's no way. And if that is your expectation, then you're in for a world of hurt because it's not going to happen. Yeah. And your staff is in for a world of hurt. Yeah. I mean, those are the organizations who have then created such an untenable situation that they will have turnover. This thing isn't done, right? Like, no, we're not talking about like any kind of resolution anytime soon to the the level of constant chaos and change, which means you're going to continue to have turnover as well. <laughs> right. You're going to hire new people in, and they're going to realize that the lack of flexibility and understanding isn't for them, and they're going to leave. Well, and I was even reading the other day on Facebook. This person was posting about toxic positivity. Oh, yes. Let's talk about that, please. Isn't that so great? Yes. And I'm worried that maybe sometimes I'm that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. Oh, you're like shaking your head like, mm. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I also worry about yeah. that. Like I never, I always want to be careful. Like, am I going to a silver lining too quickly on this? Like, right. are we still in the processing stage? Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's the part I was agreeing with I thought you were like, mm-hmm, Brittany, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, because I do think that I tend to be a positive person and optimistic. I do think I try to keep a foot grounded in reality, though. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that dismissiveness or dismissing, I should say, of people's feelings and process can also be um, horrendous in yeah. the workplace. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and, and I get it. I think some people are just trying to be leaders, right? And they want to be positive and, you know, we're going to get through this. And all that is well and good. And... 
and we talked about this in an earlier episode when we talked about leading and creating culture, like an inclusive culture and a, a culture where people can be vulnerable and say, you know what? I'm not doing good. Right. Exactly. Are you a fan of The Office? You mean the TV show? Yeah. A hundred percent. Not like going into offices. Are you just like a big fan of cubicles? <laughs> <laughs> like my office or your office? Yes. Love The Office. Great. Well, I... Michael Scott. I've been binging it again because it's coming oh, off of Netflix. it's so great. It's coming off of Netflix at the end of the year. No, it's not. Yeah. I'm going to start binging it. I love... Thank you. Like my go-tos are binging The Office and Parks and Rec. Oh, so good. I know. So, but it, it makes me think of, obviously, Michael Scott. Right. And his, like, sense that it's a family and you you should come to work to to be loved and cared for. Yeah. And not to actually work. And then there's the season where Idris Elba comes in as Charles Minor. Yeah. And it's all about productivity. Yeah. And people get freaked out. And then when Michael Scott comes back, he has to, like, break them of that habit of working hard. <laughs> Well, Leslie Nope kind of has the same personality in Parks and Rec. But she doesn't put it on others. I mean, she will literally kill herself working to the bone. No, no. I mean, a positivity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just like constantly, we could do this. And I don't know. That's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think first off, not being able to humanize yeah. staff in yeah. that way and provide the space for that is is challenging and also finding that balance, right? Like we also don't need to spend all of our time at work processing these things when, right, like sometimes they're really personal. Sometimes maybe you do need therapeutic support. Yeah. And that can't be done in a workplace. Right. And so finding that balance of being understanding, empathetic, compassionate as a leader and also putting boundaries in place is really important. I mean, I've, I've definitely worked with people who would love to just spend their days crying about their lives. Right. And sucking all of us in. Right. And there were even times when I was like, oh, I feel so uncomfortable even hearing this stuff. Like, right. Let me go back to my office. <laughs> uh, for those of you who can't see, I'm currently hiding in my sweatshirt just thinking about so it. So it kind of goes both ways, right? That right. toxic positivity and then toxic negativity. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I was also, in preparation for this, I was looking online at um, just some of the signs of burnout. Yeah. What are those? Well, I like they're the personal ones. Like I know I have my own, like I can't get out of bed for two hours. Or um, I have a tendency to either overwork when I'm really burned out to mm -hmm. the point where like I miss meals. Oh. I, I lose track of time. I mean, that's usually – that's much more extreme, but – or the other end of the spectrum where I'm just like, I don't need to work today. <laughs> right. I can't. I'm not going to. Um, so, like, I think there's those personal manifestations. But then I think there are the more external things that we can see. Um, the folks who don't take vacations mm -hmm. or who, when they do, they never truly disconnect. Right. And there's so much research about that. Like, having a true weekend, fully turning work off. Right genuinely helps your mental health. Yes. And then there are the folks who just can't do that and who actually like to be martyrs about that as well. Absolutely. And I try really hard not to say those things. Like, I'm I'm turning off this weekend. Oh, but, you know, am I really? 
Right. Like, I really want to do that. Um, the folks who also just can never say no to any project. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's both, like, they take on everything. They're, they're you know, they, they want to be involved in things. But also they don't realize when they need to delegate or out, outsource. Yeah. Um, actually, I was thinking about this recently because I was thinking about you. Oh. I know. I do think about you sometimes, Brittany. I love you. Though you just talked about a different friend today, so I didn't realize you had another friend other than me. (laughs) I mean, you have a whole family. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Truth. No, but like last year, you reached out and you're like, there is no way I can write these appeal letters. I need help. Like, who, who can do some copywriting for me? Yeah. And so like the organizations that can recognize this and also empower their staff to outsource for those kinds of things... So that you aren't working ridiculous hours, especially going into year and fundraising season, that is so important. Um, like I'll have a number of clients where there's been a vacancy, and so they finally reach out after months of kind of hobbling by, being understaffed. And I'm always like, why didn't you find some things that you could outsource sooner? Right. Because now your team has been holding it together for far too long, and they are all burned out. And now you're bringing in me to something that's already kind of broken. Right. Right. No, that's such that's such a good point. And then there's the faux self-care. Oh, tell me about it. It's the... Are my eyelashes faux self-care? I mean, I think faux self-care is more in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I will even recognize sometimes when I do things that are faux self-care. Like, I love to splurge in the Target, um, like, face cream aisle. Oh, which I really just think is me justifying buying things I don't really need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't feel good afterwards. I don't feel relieved of stress or tension. Right. So that's where it's faux self-care. Right. Like, like I'm going to buy... impulse buying? Yeah. I'm going to get a fancy soap and call that self-care. Right. Well, is, is that just for your morning shower? <laughs> Have you actually stepped away from the work? Have you actually found a way to reframe, you know, what you're experiencing right now right probably not with that bar of soap right well and you know we talk about particularly this time of year end of year and fundraisers but I also want to call out the program staff oh my gosh yeah and especially those that are working um you know 24-7 operations or um working with clients who are dealing with trauma and then they themselves as um, the workers are uh, then getting the secondary trauma Mm -hmm. and the vicarious trauma. Right. And I don't feel like, I mean, for as long as I've been in the sector, I don't feel like I really started hearing about vicarious trauma until a couple years ago. Oh, wow. Wow. It's so important. And again, I think everything's amplified right now. I was talking to a client recently and they, um, they typically deal more in like goods and scholarships and that sort of thing. But with schools adjusting this year, they've totally upended how they're operating. And a lot of it is basic needs, Mm. right? Like getting food to families who are no longer getting school lunches, getting technology into the hands of these kids, getting translation services. And so they're actually like getting exposed to a lot more than they ever had in terms of like human suffering. And so they were even talking about just like what, what that kind of toll is taking on their staff who's not used to it. 
Yeah. Like when I worked in child welfare, we did vicarious trauma trainings all the time. Not to say that it didn't still happen, but there was just a higher level of awareness, like mm-hmm. an acuity for it versus organizations who are now finding themselves thrust into that space because of the pandemic and their staff aren't prepared. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good point. And so what are we doing within the organization to support our staff in that? I mean, you just said earlier, yeah, I mean, the workplace is not meant to be your therapy, but the workplace can provide supports and even access to therapy. I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, again, another when we talked about – employee benefits a few episodes ago. Actually, that was probably a few months ago. (laughs) I I have no idea. It all runs together. Um, But we talked about like having access to an EAP program, Mm -hmm. which P is program, EAP. (laughs) I'm really hungry. Brittany won't let me have dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have said the same thing. An EA program? No, you would say an EAP program. Employee assistance program program. Whatever. Yeah. We got it. Like ATM machine. We got it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, I mean, getting, ensuring that you have access for your employees to have that is really, really important. Um, And sometimes it, like there are group processes that need to take place, group mediations, group counseling. Like, I I don't want to say that there's never a time and place for that in the workplace, because there are times when you are all exposed to something traumatic and support needs to happen. And I think more than anything, leaders just need to be attuned to that. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to recognize what's happening with their employees and be able to provide the avenues for support. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it as we talk about this, it seems like there's no real – it's such a, it's such a fine line, right? It's yeah. like you want to be supportive, but you don't want it to become like a place where everybody's just – you know, dumping everything mm-hmm. they're carrying all the time. Right. And you want to be optimistic mm-hmm. and keep people feeling motivated, but you don't want to dismiss people's feelings. Right. So, I mean, just recognizing what a tough time it is right now. Yes. And um, really just encouraging everyone to try to check in with themselves. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier of signs of burnout. And what does that mean for you? Yeah. What you does know? that really look like for because you? I haven't, I mean, I've thought about it, but I haven't really thought about it. When you started talking, I was thinking, you know, I have a meditation practice. I've had it for over 20 years and it is um, above and beyond. And I know it's not for everybody. I'm just saying it works for me, but it's above and beyond what has kept me grounded throughout my life. And yet when I am feeling the most burnout, I realize that I've just stopped doing it. Yeah. And I do it almost unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I realize like I haven't meditated in three weeks yeah. and I'm super stressed out, <laughs> but it's so crazy that those things that we use as our anchors, mm-hmm. sometimes we let go of yeah. when we need them the most. Totally. Well, and you know, we were talking about that a little bit earlier too, of how things have just changed in the pandemic. Like maybe you don't have access. And I was realizing this this week during the summer, I was going for really regular walks and bike rides and I would always have like a podcast on. And that is a, just a really calming, grounding time for me. Well, as it's gotten colder, I've switched into my, my basement gym, my home gym, um, where I have a TV. Mm. And so I'm watching, you know, either a bike ride on the TV or the office or (laughs) whatever is taking my mind off it. Uh, Last week I watched Hannah Gatsby, which was super fun, but I'm not having that grounding outdoors experience and listening to my podcasts. Right. 
And I like finally had this epiphany earlier this week of like, oh, maybe that's part of also why I'm feeling a little off kilter. I've, I've lost my practice. Yeah. Yeah. So I know it's hard. We've said this before too, um, but it's important also to advocate. Yep. Advocate for yourself when you can. Advocate for others when you see other people struggling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I heard this earlier in the pandemic, um, and I'm sure it's happening right now, and I'm just not hearing about it, but uh, an interesting dynamic within staff where um, employees with kids were obviously needing to adjust and adapt, Mm -hmm. and then employees without kids were feeling like the burden had gotten shifted to them in the workplace. Yeah. And so they were feeling resentful and burnt out. Yeah. And it was so interesting because, like, again, with a little bit more – um, retrospective um, perspective. Golly, I need dinner. Um, <laughs> with a little more perspective, you realize like if all we're doing is moving the work and we're not adding new employees, we're not reducing yeah. the workload, but we're just moving it around, somebody is going to get burned out. Yep. So again, I think this goes back to what you said earlier. If we are continuing to expect the same amount of productivity as we expected in February, we're just flat wrong and we are burning people out. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I bring it up all the time. I manage a team where I'm the only one within the team that has small kids. Mm. There's one other person who has a high schooler and um, they, of course, have their own challenges. But with small kids, I mean, it's (laughs) it's so disruptive. I mean, my world is chaos. One week they're in school. One week they're not in school. One week they're on my lap. And (laughs) I recognize that it's really shitty, and just because that's my burden doesn't mean that the others who don't have kids don't have their own burdens. Right. And so I try to verbalize that as much as I can and say, this is a shitty time for everybody, yeah. regardless of what your circumstances are. And so I want to validate all of your experiences, mm-hmm. and if you need something, let me know. If you need time, let me know. Um, and... I hope that helps. And the other thing that I try to do is thank them. Yeah. So every week we have our department meeting and I end every meeting saying thank you. Yep. Thank you for being here for another week. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing um, and and just trying to acknowledge, you know, the work that they're doing. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so, so important. Um, I, I, you know, we focus so much on what like leaders should be doing. But I also just want to give a shout out and call out to the nonprofit leaders themselves who are working their best to keep shit together. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how many times I've said I'm so glad I'm not running a nonprofit myself right now. It is hard as hell. It is really fucking hard. And there is so much pressure being put Mm -hmm. on these leaders. Yeah. And I've even just seen like, obviously I'm connected with a bunch of nonprofit leaders on my social media and just... I've been seeing more posts of um, people being really stressed, you know, feeling the burden, feeling the responsibility of their organization on their shoulders. So to all the nonprofit executives out there, please know that you need to take care of yourself as well. Um, We've said it before. You can't, you you don't put the air mask on the kid before you do yourself or whatever they tell you on planes. It's been so long I've been on a plane, I don't even remember what it says anymore. (laughs) But truly, you cannot be a good leader if you are burned out. Yeah. I mean, all these behaviors we're talking about that don't support your staff are probably coming out from somebody who is also feeling so stressed and anxious and overwhelmed that they're not seeing this larger picture. So 
Nonprofit leaders, take time, take space. You have to, have to, have to do that for yourself so you don't burn out um, because, quite frankly, we need you and your staff needs you and your mission needs you. So true. And to the board members that might be listening, (laughs) let's ease it back a little bit. Just ease it back. Goddamn. Yeah. Let's just take it back a notch, downshift, big shifter, and... (laughs) And let us stabilize. And there is no stability right now. So maybe just be okay with the instability is really what it's about. Well, and also, you know, as we get into the holidays and boards are starting to think about what to do for staff gifts, this is a year to step it up, right? Like, yes, your chief executive doesn't need some more Williams-Sonoma bark. (laughs) Get them something meaningful. I do love that English toffee, though. (laughs) Oh, gross. Oh, my God. It's so delicious. But you are absolutely right. Get them something meaningful. Like This is a great year to double their year-end bonus yes. for your chief executive and the rest of your staff. Yes. This is a year where the board chips in for something really significantly meaningful. And that doesn't necessarily mean like financially, but something really thoughtful. Like maybe you even get on a special board call just to discuss how you are going to acknowledge your team that has made it through the first nine months of a fucking pandemic leading your organization and ensuring your programs are delivered. Look, my soapbox showed up just right next to yours, so I'm going to go ahead and jump on it as well. And I'm going to say 2020 has been a shit year, and you know what? 2021 is going to be no picnic. And so your staff are already burned out. They're already burned out. If you want them to show up in 2021 – you need to acknowledge them. So that means this is not the time to be doing pay cuts if you can help it. This is not the time to not do bonuses if you can help it. If you've got a reserve fund, this is where you should be putting those dollars. Yeah. You should be investing in your staff so they know, I mean, we're all in this together, right? And you need them to know that you appreciate it yeah, and that you're in it with them mm-hmm. and that you're going to move into 2021 together. And if you start cutting funding in people's paychecks, they're going to bounce. Mm-hmm. Well, on this like gratitude train, we do need <laughs> to turn the other way around because boards have stepped up in amazing ways. I mean, I I can't even count the number of clients where boards had to add second, third, even maybe fourth meetings because things were changing so quickly and they had to make big decisions about their programs. And boards have been dealing with the same stuff, right? Board members leaving because they just need to be at home and deal with everything in the world. So again, chief executives, think about how you are going to acknowledge and appreciate your board given all of their additional contributions this year. Um, I guess the moral of the story is like all of us, Let's take a minute and just be real grateful for the folks around us. Oh, I I love that. that, That's what it's about right now. That's how we're going to get through this. I know. It's so true. And we see you. Yeah. It's really funny you saying that when I like just see your eyeballs. (laughs) Because I truly see you. Do you see me? (laughs) I really see you. (laughs) We'll be talking about this one day, just like the time we shared a microphone for an episode. (laughs) The time we recorded in Nia's garage and it was so cold that we had to sit on our hands. 
I am sitting on my hands. Me too. I'm so cold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hang in there, everyone. We are barreling towards the end of the year, and um, we are nine months into this GD pandemic. And um, did you just? Censor yourself? I did. Are we not no longer explicitly rated? Oh, that's right. This goddamn pandemic. And um, we're here for you. So if you feel like reaching out, we'd love to hear from you. There's a lot of different ways that you can connect with us. We prefer carrier pigeon, first and foremost. <laughs> um, you can email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, which you should definitely, definitely do because our one-year anniversary is coming up very soon. Oh, my gosh. So exciting. And we'll have lots of fun, great things to share with you all. Um, and again, for those of you about to face Giving Tuesday and Colorado Gives Day, kill it. Just get out there and fucking kill your fundraising. You've got this. I have really good feelings about year-end giving this year. Yep. So I hope that um, it rains all over you, all out there. You know, rainmaker, money. (laughs) (laughs) We both need to eat. All right. Well, if you have capacity and you're able to, now is the time. Step up. Support your local nonprofits by giving and give generously. Thanks, everybody. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.